Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Bengals get in first place while the rest of the division get egg on the face. So now they go to Baltimore to face Redbirds, a team that used to put to lay some turns. John Sheeran, he comes feeling all his expert analytics on the City Bengals scene. While Koji sits there sipping matches stoically and Bridge keeps the podcast going flowingly. Yeah! Number one Bengals podcast. Alright, well. Wow. Wow. You That's are getting fun. almost you are you're getting almost too good at that. Yeah. Makes me worry about the levels of cocaine usage going on at the McTook residence. Welcome to the Number of Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Daddy McTook. I'm joined as always by Dr. Hoji Dakrik Smoji, John Sheeran, and Bridget HR. And guys, we're back in first place, as I predicted beginning of the season and the rest of the division is in a mess well are we are we tied for first john i just uh want to emphasize that if the Bengals are in first now and the rest of the division just is losing their grip that means our first is more of a first isn't that true are you like Implementing momentum into the equation. It's it's what in it's astrology weird. we call first place rising, ascendant. Yeah. The velocity of first placeness. Yeah. Whereas someone else can be first place descendant or setting. Look, dolphins, they put up a fight and they had a nice little run. But let's be honest. This is our first big test. This is the Baltimore Ravens who we destroyed twice. And they are pretty healthy this time around. They're pretty angry. They're coming off of two sloppy losses to the Jets and to another team. And they lost those in the fourth quarter by not scoring. And, and John, please, you had something to say, I think. I did. The point is, they are not in a good place. And so they are angry and they don't like us. And, and as Joe Burrow pointed out, they like to talk. They like, they like to uh, squawk. They're birds. They are yeah. birds. They're kind of mad right now. They just blew, what, a 17-point lead against the, the exactly Buffalo Bills yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. at home? Yeah, it sucks for them. And they're probably going to be even more mad going into this game like they probably were already going to be because the Bengals destroyed them by a combined like 80 points last year. It's going to be really tough. It might be their most toughest matchup of the entire season, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, basically what I said. But thank you for summarizing it for the people who couldn't follow my complex discussion. Yeah, Hoji, how do you feel yeah. about us going into this big... Oh, I will say this. One thing I... It's funny. The Joe Burrow era, we used to be worried about primetime games. I'm actually... And it's not just because it's fun. I think we have a better chance in primetime. I feel like with Joe Burrow, we have an advantage. We have the guy who is more composed and cooler and rises to the moment more than anybody else. And of yeah. course, the Jamar Chase and the other guys, but that's how I feel. I, I think we have, yeah. It's funny you say that, Daddy, because I was looking and obviously we've got the Sunday night football game against the Ravens. And then the next time we play the Steelers, 
we're in Pittsburgh and it's another Sunday night primetime game. And I feel like both primetime and away games are where we shine. So opening up, the Ravens opening up as what, three, three and a half point favorite. I can't remember. And then it being primetime, it being away. I think that's when we shine the most. So I'm really excited yeah. to see what we bring on the field on Sunday. Yeah, thank you yeah. for simplifying my argument as well. You guys are on the roll. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, we won't, say, yeah. fine. We won't agree with you anymore. No, I like it. I'm saying I, no, no. Okay, whatever. See, this so, is what happens. Yeah. So the Bengals team that I saw playing the Miami Dolphins is the Bengals team, honestly, that I had been wanting to see in previous weeks. And because I thought that they were doing great, actually, even in those first two games that they lost with the, with the comeback and with the, you know having the nerves of steel, which is really the most important thing. But I think what was missing, and I think we all agree on this, was uh, you know Burrow just didn't have enough time, whereas in the Dolphin game, we saw those few extra seconds made a world of difference. We saw them you know, hitting other receivers. You might remember I had been saying that in earlier games. Why aren't we spreading the ball around more? And they started to listen to me and they started to do that. I think the one missing, and the defense. Oh, I mean, I keep forgetting to talk about the defense, but wow, what a dominant defense, right? All of that is great. I think the only thing we have yet to see, and I'm hoping to see in the, in, against the Ravens and in the future, is our running game kind of, pick it up just a little bit. Just pick it up, yeah. you know? Well, yeah, and look, I think, yes, the pass protection, John, I think this is strange, but PFF did not give us great grades for the pass protection. I, I'm not going to... Oh, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah, look, but I mean, compared to before, hold on, John. Hold on. I am not one to say, oh, PFF, pff, you know, whatever yeah. nonsense. Uh, that was my joke. No, I mean, like, get out of here with that nonsense. Yeah. You don't, they don't know. Let's go back to just whatever, all the school. But, you know, I, I, I'm sure they have a method and a metric and whatever for like, oh, this guy won this set or this whatever. But as in terms of a cohesive unit, I saw something different on Thursday. I saw a team that was passing off pass rushers in big moments uh, to each other in the right way. And you can go ahead and say something. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. They were just losing as individuals rather than yeah. just as a unit, which is exactly. progress, but yeah. it's just relative, right? Exactly. And I think we need, we need more expert analysis on this area. Exactly. So we introduce so, our guests. That's what I wanted to do. Thank you, John. And so I want to introduce our guest, a very good friend of mine. Yeah. This man of the show. is a very good friend of the show. He is a master analyst. He is a, a multi-Emmy award-winning analyst of the Cincinnati Bengals for Fox Sports, Fox News has had him on a lot for his political analysis. And he just, he will blow Hold you on. away with, well, no, okay, I don't know. But but I just know that I love this guy. I love his I feel tweets. like there were some lies mixed in with truth. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Like poop swirling down the toilet. But he the is very smart guy. The pure water mixed with the fecal He matter. shares a lot of his All 22, which as you know, is the when you have the all the 22 plays from any game they are uploaded after the game and then you can look at them and he shares them on twitter with beautiful analysis so i want to bring to the show mr parker the one and only blake park your butt on this show mr parker we want to learn more about you young man 
We want to yeah. know what like two truths and a lie there was in Tanya's. Yeah. It was all true. It was all true. I'm a big I'm a big member of the Fox News group, especially around election time. Yeah. Oh no. It's my main focus. Uh, no, but it's awesome awesome to be here. Uh, I did I, I break down a line play. That's what I do. Um, I just started this season on Twitter. I'm an O line coach here. I do coaches up the street like five minutes. Uh, I'm based in Utah. I've been doing that for a while. I played O-line college football a little bit and then just my high school career. And then I'm a big Bengals fan. I've always been a Bengals fan. And now I just watch Bengals O-line because that's all I can watch when I watch the game anyway, because I've just conditioned myself to only watch O-line on film. So it was so it was so bizarre um, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago when Parker reached out to me and he was asking for like feedback on his analysis. I'm like, dude, this is what you do for a living. I just kind of pose as this for a puppet show like parker how long have you been coaching no line and what would you say like your strength is in that regard uh Did john just call himself a poser i just want to <laughs> focus on parker okay. now okay. uh i've been coaching this is my fourth year of coaching i'm still young so uh when i came back from school i started coaching and i mean i think i i played center a lot center and guard as i when i played so i like to think that i know a lot more about the interior line than the tackles, but I mean, personally, I think tackle is very simple when you take it at a high level. I mean, there's really only a handful of jobs you do relatively as a tackle, opposed to breaking down blitzer, blitzers and stunts on the inside that goes on all game. Usually you're just locked on that island as a tackle. So, Parker, I, so, I, I, yeah. I want to imagine a scenario where they have let you in the Bengals locker room with just the offensive line. And you have only five seconds to share all of your coaching wisdom. They need to improve themselves. You can only really say five seconds worth of advice. And then they're going to just shut you down. What's that five seconds of advice you have for the Bengals O-line? I tell my players all the time, my favorite saying is win with your feet, not your face. You got to beat your guy with your feet. Can't believe it on guys. Can't be trying to just block them by falling in front of them. You got to And, and have the they been have they been facing it too much and not feeding it enough? <laughs> uh I think we get into that situation sometimes with our right tackle, but uh I think for the most and, part And for the viewers who don't know who that is, the right tackle being <laughs> Lyle Collins loves yeah. falling on his face. Um but I think you can attribute that to the back issue every once in a while, but I think especially Jonah Williams is great at it. Uh Cordell Volson has been really good at moving his feet and getting to the second level. Um, I'd love to see Karras and Kappa kind of fall in line there and be a little more athletic once they get past the line. Well, so. Parker, look, uh, I want to get your take on this whole controversy about the fake news, PFF, what there's, you know, John's saying. But I want to know what you think about the Bengals' performance against the Dolphins because, look, Joe Burrow, I, I said it, and then Joe Burrow, I guess he saw my tweet I said that they had a great game, and then he said, "Great, you know, something, something expletive, job or something yeah. to the O line." Mother so beeping job. Me. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, I think we talked about it before the show. You and I, there was some plays there that we've never seen in terms yeah. of like Joe Burrow actually having a clean pocket and just hanging in the pocket and being able to throw deep. And so, I want to share one of those plays with you. Here we go. Look at that. That's beautiful. He just he had that big pockety thing, as they say. Well, that, that, now why why are you giving the O line credit for what what the second? Let's watch it be? again. Yep. 
But secondary no, messing up on the other team. No, that's one. So the O line, what do you mean? Look, no one's getting to Joe Burrow. Well, he was there for two seconds. He's like that one two was a quick throw. I mean it wasn't that, that was a big improvement. Okay, why is everybody but Parker talking? Parker. Hey, I mean, you're having a couple seconds in the pockets big in the NFL. I mean, I think the average time release is like two and a half. So yeah. our biggest issue like week one and two was he was only getting like a second and a half. Exactly. And there, was a, there was a lot of controversy over a couple of plays that was like, oh, he got he got tackled in like three seconds or in a couple yeah. seconds. And I mean, obviously you want your quarterback to have more time. And I feel like he has, especially against the Dolphins and the Jets. He's had a lot cleaner pockets, had a lot cleaner looks. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, these are all like elite athletes. It's going to be you. hard to keep exactly. an elite athlete at bay for five, six, seven seconds. No one can do that. No. And let's yes, look at this can. one. They can. No, no one can do that. Five, six seconds. No. Look at this. Look at the communication, the passing off. Right. Let's watch that again. So this was, this was a uh, Kappa and and the, the other guy, Karis. What if yeah, the together? other guy. Yeah, the, yeah, that other guy. You know, the captain. Yeah. I- I don't see anything special here, Parker. What I see is pretty mediocre. What do you think? Karras is actually really good at picking up those stunts, especially the loopers that come around. Um, as you see, I think it's, yeah, it's 48 on this play, loops around. But, uh, yeah, Kappa really struggles against a lot of stunts. It's actually a great clip that you found. A lot of the stuff that I see, I mean, just he's, he's not good at feeding it, as you no. said earlier, um, and no, picking no. up those – stunts that come around and Karras is a lot I from week one to now he communicates a lot better especially with his guards and I think you see that a lot with how him and Volson handle those stunts uh, I think Kappa might subconsciously worry about helping out Collins a little more than he should which kind of has him delay coming inside to help Karras out with those stunts so I'm an I'm an old school Parker uh, uh, Bengals fan and I've been around for a long time and I've seen a lot of offensive lines I have my personal favorite it was, of course, the famous, you know, 1988, 89 team and, and an O-line. How would you compare uh, the current O-line with what Dalton had with Whitworth and the gang in 2015? What we have now compared to what we had not so long ago, maybe about, you know, le- really less than, than 10 years ago. How do you compare these two offensive lines? I think I think in general, O-line plays getting a lot more athletic up front. I mean, it used to be you get these big guys that would just get their hands on dudes and hold them in place or just try and power them out of the way. And I think Whitworth was kind of the first of his generation to kind of get more into being a more athletic tackle. And that's why he played for so long and played at such a high level is because he could kind of hang with those more athletic defensive ends and those outside linebackers that would come off the edge because he was actually willing to be an athlete opposed to just trying to be bigger than somebody and be stronger than the guy across from him. He's willing to use his technique and be a lot more patient with those guys, which I think is kind of a transition. And that's why I like the game now. Cause it's not, it's not about how big you are, about how strong you are. It's about leverage and positioning. And that's why, I mean, you got guys like Aaron Donald on the defensive side that are tearing up the game just cause you can get under guys and because they try and overpower them, which you just can't do nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, overpowering is really, it's a... So it's a more difficult game in a lot of ways. Yeah, 100%. It's a more difficult game, and we're expecting more from people to do more against more. You know, it's capitalism is what he's saying. He's, it's, yeah. it's really, he went on an anti-capitalist rant. Well, more, speaking more, more. of capitalism, now that you bring it up, you brought it up. I didn't want to bring it up. 
Parker, I don't know if you know, we have a patreon.com slash Sports yeah. Patreon account where you can patronize us and treat us patronizingly and all that kind of stuff. And as you know, with the rising O-line prices that you were talking about, it's very hard to survive as a podcast. We don't actually and pay so, the O-line. Well, but still, just to Parker's point, yeah. we have, uh, you know, you can see our list of patrons there by the month and year that they became patrons. And you see... We have two new ones from the, was it, I don't know how many months ago, eight, whatever month that is. That's and, August. It's right. Uh, yeah, two months ago. And here's the thing. One of those patrons is a, a man named, they call him Stevie G. Yeah. Stevie G is turning 50. Yeah, people don't know and, a lot about Stevie G. Yeah, and, it, and, and you can see his biography there at the bottom there. But uh, Stevie G is a big fan of the show. And uh, he's... His wife actually became a patron. I think he cannot technically become a patron. There's some sort of tax evasion that uh, you know problem. Well, there's there's that. actually a more specific reason why he can't become a patron, and yeah. why he we have kept him at arm's length on this show despite my my love for the guy. Stevie G is a great saxophone player. Think right. Kenny G, but he's like Kenny G. He's Stevie G, uh, and. We were looking for a Cincinnati-born saxo saxophonist or saxist, as they're called, not sexist, saxist. When we tried to get Stevie G to play, uh, we, we had interviewed the famous Don Braden, also born in Cincinnati, couldn't get them. I went down to Chicago, and I, I listened to Stevie G play. The man has heart, the man has soul, but he turned us down to be in a jazz band and, and stay in Chicago. And, and honestly, there was some bad blood. Parker, yeah. there was bad blood between us and Stevie G, but it's all water under yeah. the bridge now. And, oh, and you yeah. might remember I tweeted about how 98% of saxophone solos are useless in most songs. I was thinking about my, you know, my ill, ill, my, my you know, my, my contempt, honestly, for Stevie G, which is now water under the bridge. We love each other now. We're friends. We talk every once in a while. Nothing but respect as Stevie G turns 50. Greatest saxophonist born in Cincinnati. Yeah. After Don Braden, the number two saxophonist born in Cincinnati after Don Braden. Yes. That is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, Parker, I, I hope that was useful for your analysis and before you see the game, because obviously we don't want to just talk about the Stevie G on this no. podcast. No, this, this, this show is about so much more. So much more. Than and, Stevie G. And one of them is the, the Ravens. Where do you think that they are? Because. Nevermore. Well, I mean, look, they 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 fell apart late in their last two games. Does anyone and think this might be because Poe had that season-ending injury? Is this like an ominous... It's a morale uh, drainer, if you will. Yeah, He's the true mascot, honestly. Edgar Allan Poe himself is the mascot? They're trying to replace him oh. with numbers, right? There's, they, they have Edgar and Allen in for him. It's yeah. like they're wow. trying to split the duties. <laughs> Oh, gee, no, their mascot got hurt. Do you remember that? Towards ACL. Had, had no, I, I, I honestly didn't know mascots had ACLs. I, I, I just assumed they had it's, wings it's and yeah. wings and feathers. And, Parker, wow. I apologize yeah. because this is a serious show. I don't want you to. It's a serious issue, this. man. Like I feel like Hoji. I don't know why you missed this, man. Like the Ravens did a great job of of expressing their tender love and care for the animals, man. They stretched off an actual raven. Like, they well, gave yeah. it, like, you know, expert what, care. And After all the injuries the issues last year, man, what, was it's, it just, John, so it's continuing on to this season. 
Yeah. John, was it a raven or was it a human doing what we call animal cultural appropriation? Because that's what it sounds like to me, dressing up in animal face, so to speak. Are, are you saying that there's a... No, there was an actual raven. That's their mascot. It was raven not an learned... actual raven. That is not true, John. I, this is the, the world's problem. biggest raven. But, yeah, that's just Parker? like we have a tiger that wears a that jersey. Is not that's a real, real tiger. tiger. Par- I don't know what Parker. daddy was talking about. Yeah. I, see, I, I try to keep this show grounded in facts and to keep That's it unbiased. No, it is balanced reporting, but fair and balanced, as they say, as Parker yeah. and I know very well. But anyways, look, Parker, I want to talk about the Ravens. Where are they? What? what oh. here's, there's two responses. to the Look, John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, I don't know, whatever the coach is, he is very experienced and he's been through a lot. And he knows how to manage players, but there's two responses a team can take. One is being demoralized and, hey, look, our quarterback is not even under contract and this was our last shot and it's a mess. And, you know, uh, let's say they get down by 10 points. It's like, okay, let's just lay down. What's the point? We know we're going to fall apart. It's just not our year. We don't have chemistry. The other one is they believe in their ability and it's like, hey, we need to get so far ahead. We need to just kind of send a message to ourselves and to others that we are back. And then they just come out with their best effort ever. I'm, I'm trying to understand about this narrative about the Ravens not being good. I mean, this is the same Ravens that at the half was leading the Bills, right? Yeah, 20, at the 20 half. To 10. That 20 is to the 10. thing. You have to finish games the in the past. They have fallen apart, given up big leads in back-to-back games. Okay, but yeah. that's a pretty darn good performance, losing by just a field goal to the Buffalo Bills, who are might be a better team than Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, look, let's be honest. Every time you write off the Ravens, it bites you in the butt. I mean, this is a great team. And where this team shines, I saw a comment that I really disagree with. Where this team shines, has always uh, shown, ever since our own Marvin Lewis uh, was there, is defensively. They, they really are a tough team to play. And I'd be shaking in my boots if I was the Cincinnati Bengals. I'd be shaking in my boots that I have to face that defense. And I, everybody talks about Lamar. You know, everybody talks about the offense. Who cares? It's irrelevant when you play the, the Ravens. The Ravens scare you because they have a defense that's scary. I would not want to play that defense. And I think it's going to be a okay. tough game for the Bengals. Well, Very. They also game. haven't lost two games in a row. They beat the Patriots the week before that. And the Patriots are darn good. Okay, Parker, please, <laughs> can you bring that? some sensibility to this show and tell us what's going to happen on Sunday? No, I mean, I agree. I mean, their defense, I, I think, is very underrated. I just – I don't know what's going on over there, but they can't seem to pull it together. I mean, they're the best first-half team in the league, that's for sure. Um, but for some reason, they can't find a way to close out games. They have some really talented rookies on that squad. I mean, Linderbaum on the offense has looked awesome this year. Kyle Hamilton, I mean, I don't know how much they're using him. I haven't – I don't watch the Ravens very much, but – I mean, they got some athletes over there, and I, I don't know. We we smoked them last year a couple of times, and I'm sure we can do it again. I don't see why we couldn't. Well, I mean, we we only improved, and I we're coming together as a unit now. We're not, we're no longer the week one Bengals that don't have no idea what's going on, don't know what scheme we want to run. We're just, still trying to figure out how each other works together. We have finally come into our stride, I think, and especially coming into now the easier part of the rest of our season. I think we're going to look pretty solid, personally. Well, okay. they, ahead, they beat the Jets. Oh, sorry, real quick. They beat the Jets by more than we beat the Jets by, and they scored more points against the Dolphins than we scored against the Dolphins. If that doesn't make you worry, I don't know what does. Bridget, HR, go ahead. So the, 
that's any given Sunday, right? I I think we need to have a modulated response to playing the Ravens because I don't know if you remember when we did our predictions before the season, I said the Ravens were going to be our most competitive uh, division rival. I don't worry about the Browns like I worry about the Ravens, and I certainly don't worry about the Steelers. Uh, Even after week one, I'm not worried about them. I think the Ravens are going to bring it on both sides of the ball. I worry less about the Ravens than I do the Bills or the Chiefs. Um, I know we beat Mahomes twice last year, but Mahomes is looking crazy good. So I think we have to modulate. Like, we can't go too far. Like, we whipped them last year. I mean, we whipped a healthy Ravens team. We beat an unhealthy Ravens team. But so the defense, the defense is good. They held Buffalo to three points, I think, three or ten points. In the first half, they were strong. But, like, you still got to – Lamar is a tricky guy, and I feel like people sleep on Lamar as a quarterback. And so I think we just have to be ready on both sides of the ball, but this isn't a giveaway game. It Parker. is not. You know, I will say – sorry, John. I will say, Bridget, I'm not sure we're allowed to modulate on this show. I think it does put our monetization in danger, but point taken. So get John. fired up. Hot yeah. takes. Parker, you mentioned that – this isn't the same Bengals team that wasn't sure what they wanted to run in week one. Are we really at the point where we, we're sure that they have established some type of identity in the run game? If you were walking up to Frank Pollock and you had a chat with him about what you would do to get them on the same page or what concepts you think that they're best fit to run, what would you tell them? I mean, I I, I think I tweeted about this a while ago, but I we need to get, we need to incorporate more counter power game a lot more duo i we just have to we have to get away from the wide zone the outside zone stuff that they've run historically and i because i if there's a couple of clips that i was i'm going to tweet out tomorrow but the right side of the line cannot block wide zone and for some reason we only run wide zone to the right jonah williams volson even Karras can get out very well get wide get to the second level get on those smaller more athletic guys but i mean i think the best route to take is to get Volson and Kappa pulling across the line, get duo where we can get vertical displacement on the D line and get up into the second level. And I think that's, that's my hard part. My hard, I guess my issue with Joe Mixon right now is that when we do run those duo looks, those power looks, he's still looking to get outside. He's not looking to hill. He's not looking to find a crease and just kind of punch the ball in. He wants to get outside. Did you see that Joe Mixon, and Ted Karras got together and they had a meeting. Was it today or sometime? It was last week. Last week. So what do we think like that? Let's go. Let's be in the room. It's Ted Karras. It's the O-line. It's Joe Mixon. What's Mixon telling them? And what are they saying back to Mixon? I honestly wonder if it's more of a let's come together and see why this isn't working. I don't think it's going to be a bunch of finger pointing. I don't think it's going to be a, what do you think guys think we need to do? Well, how do we need to address this? I think it's more of a, this is what we're trying to do. This is what our coaches are trying to do with us. Why is it? How, how do we get the band back together? Parker, I want to set a scenario for you. Okay. You get a call in the middle of the night. They wake you up and it's Frank Pollock. And he says, I'm in the middle of a Bengals game. And you're like, how is that possible? It's the middle of the night. And you're like, well, oh, then you realize you remember you're in Vietnam. And he says, Parker, every time we're on a, a situation where it's fourth and one and fourth and two or fourth and three, and we try to do a run, 
they stuff us and it doesn't work. What are we doing wrong on those short r- runs on third and especially fourth down, Parker, that you can help us with? How would you advise them? Well, they have to stop running tosses on fourth and one. Okay, and how would that help? For, for those who don't know, how would that help? Well, I, I mean, the, the most, the, the quickest path from A to B is straight. So I don't so think. So why going, are they doing the tosses? I mean, they're, they're intelligent people. They're getting paid money. Why are they doing tosses? We can all, at home, I'm saying the same thing to the screen. I'm yelling, why are you doing a toss? But there must be a reason. I think it's a lot of, a lot of teams try and overthink the simple things. And it comes down to everyone expects a lot of pressure up the middle on third and short, fourth and short, because defenses have to expect the short game. And they have to expect it up the middle, whether it's a sneak, dive, whatever. But I think what the Bengals need to focus on more is we need to have a lot more draw game. And I think third and short's the best time to do that. And do you give it to Perrin or do you give it to Mixon? I don't think it matters because if, once once we get that drop back game going, especially if we're spread out, we're, they're going to drop out. They always do. I think – I want to say it was against the Jets, but I think it was the first or second play of the game they ran – a. They ran a pass and they rush. They rush four. They came around all around the outside, open up the lane in the middle. Mixon steps up to pro, and there's no one within ten yards of him. Uh, so, I would give it to Jamar Chase. Parker, let me sure. ask: yeah. Do you think it is because they don't trust their O line to get that push yet? I think it is. Yeah. Personally. So, yeah. So I mean, I mean, maybe if this team again, like I, I'm not exactly sure where you stand. I didn't quite. I felt like they made a lot of improvements. Again, the running game, no, but the passing game. And I think a lot of it, they say this, and it is a cliche, but an offensive line is five people trying to work in unison. So the idea of them having to gel is very real. It is. And it's only been four games, but I saw a big step forward on Thursday. I don't know if it shows up in the PFF stuff, but I saw it. And maybe not running yet. I think they need to get on the same page with Mixon, which is what that meeting that meeting was about. But passing, I saw it, and I think their talent is about middle of the pack yeah. in the NFL. They're right around an average talent, but they weren't playing like that the first three games, maybe even the fourth game. But I think I think they will get there, and then yeah. once they do, we could see some more traditional runs up the yes. middle. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. you gotta hope the more your passing game opens up and the more you can learn how to attack different defenses, which I think is a big issue. That's a different conversation, but the more you can open up the pass game, the more people have to respect your passing game. Obviously the more the run's going to be available, but at the end of the day, if you can't, you can't block guys and move guys and displace the linemen, then you can't get a run game anyway. But what about, what about Chris Evans? What about his involvement? You keep bringing him up. Yeah. A lot of people want to see Chris Evans and I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I mean, I figured, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, because I was going to say what Parker said. I just didn't. I didn't want to say it, and my I wanted to let Parker say it because yeah. he's our guest. But you know, Parker, we are on iTunes, and I know you're, this was your next question for us. Yeah, we're on iTunes and Spotify. Parker and keeps asking, "Where can I stream this? Yeah. Where can I subscribe? How can I smash that like button?" Parker, you're about yeah. to find out. Yeah, and we're on all those things, and we're also on the YouTube number one Bengals podcast on YouTube. You just discovered us right before the show after I told you who we are. And so that was, that was crazy. That was a crazy coincidence. And um, I, I, you know, I ask you and your family and your extended family and your you know, yeah. friends and your yeah. high school your classmates, yeah. all of you to sign up and subscribe and maybe go to Patreon. Maybe 
you know, like all those good like saints that you see there, those, those great yeah. people. Saint they John Coltrane. Saint, yeah. Coltrane was the saint and the saxophone player. But that is really all that they have, Parker, for you today. And so, well, aren't you going to ask for predictions? Oh yeah. Okay, we'll come back. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Let's just get us your. Let's get your predictions and how the game will play out, player of the game, that kind of stuff. Mine. Yeah. Oh, man. What's the um, score going to be, and who's going to be player of the game? <laughs> I. Uh... I've already taken the over in this game, but I think it's going to be we're, we're going to get to this. This has to be the first week that we get to 30, right? Because we it does. You know. You're right. That's correct. And uh, and that's I think a, a couple people have talked about it now, but that's that's the magic mark, right? This team is a 30 point minimum per game team. So, I mean, I it's going to be a battle, though. I mean, Lamar, that offense is is good. That Ravens offense is really good. And I think our defense is better than theirs. But I, prediction-wise, I'm gonna go. Sheesh, I'll go close. I'll go, I'll, I'll take it close. I'll go 38-35 Bengals. Who day? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Very good. Okay. And player of the game, Parker. Parker. I need T. Match. Higgins to have a game for my fantasy team, so I'm going T. Higgins. Oh yes. Okay. Yes, and caffeinated. Let's just go, Bridget. So you know, I'm four zero on the opposite of my prediction happening. So I'm going to keep predicting Bengals losses because that's when we win. So I will go Ravens over Bengals. Thirty-one twenty-seven. Okay. Player of the game. Player of the game. Uh, I'm going to go Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Yeah. Okay, John. I'm not even doing the jinx here. I think the Ravens honestly just beat the Bengals this week. Coming off of a bad loss that for them, Bengals kind of yeah. riding high. I'm Yikes. gonna say Ravens win twenty-six to twenty. Player of the game is away, who's rushing against Lyle Collins, who still can't really pass protect yeah, right now. Big game. Wow. Wow. Big game. wow. Okay. Wow. And Hoji. Ominous, John. So I, I'm I, I do think the Bengals are gonna squeak out the win in overtime. And I think um, you're going to see Joe Burrow uh, barely, barely make it in with a, with a running it through the middle kind of play. And I think that uh, the, the, the player uh, of, of the game is going to be Jamar Chase. Wow. Well, I, I too think Bengals are going to squeak out a win. Uh, I think it's going to be similar to last year's. It's going to be 41 to 17. And How is that squeaking? Like, like they're going to mop. You know how you clean the the squeaker, oh, the spongy, yeah. the mm -hmm. thing. You clean yeah. your car when windshield. you mop and you hear the squeak. Yeah, they're going to be like a little fly on the windshield. They're going to squeak them out. Very nice. And it is going to be Joe Burrow. He's going to have a five touchdown passing game. I think we saw last game. We saw T Higgins getting opportunities with all the attention Jamar Chase. And the Ravens are very much not going to let Jamar Chase go off. And so they're going to have like. If they if the Dolphins had four guys on them, they're gonna have like eight guys just on Jamar Chase. That's my yeah. prediction. And I think T. Higgins, you know, will have some opportunities. And so will Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd's really good, by the way. I mean, he's yeah. a sneaky good. He comes up with those really nice deep plays, you know, because of his awareness, not necessarily his acceleration. Okay. Potentially that a backup is, quarterback. Oh, that's another thing. Yeah, I thought he really I think he does need more opportunities at quarterback because it was very accurate john he has split two defenders are you saying that burrow needs help 
No, I'm saying we need to do that because that actually led to a few big plays. And then we, the offense kind of got going again after the start. But, you know, we don't really have time to get into that because the music oh, has arrived. Yeah. Put comments. Yeah. I would love to hear what we should do on those short plays. How do we get the short plays? Do you agree with Parker? What should we do? How can you not agree with Parker? Look at that face. How can you not agree with Parker? Go follow Parker on Twitter, ParkerBlake60. At ParkerBlake60. And uh, follow John, read his articles. Follow Bridget and Koji. That's all we have. So long. SVT Paris. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.